Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. In this series, Genesis, A New Perspective, we are trying to breathe fresh life into this ancient text that lays the foundation for the Christian Bible. Each week, we will be exploring different ways that these Genesis stories impact us and the world around us and our ways of understanding God. I hope you enjoy. Now, today's sermon is going to be a little bit different. Not only am I not Alex, and not only are we not reading from Genesis, but I decided, because as I will tell you soon, I love commencement speeches, that I was going to do a commencement sermon. So I'm going to be giving you life lessons uh, with a theological twist. So, today's sermon is entitled, Lessons I Learned When I Wasn't Listening. In other words, things that my parents told me when I was a youth. There it was. It was a little delayed. <laughs> Just before, uh, but before I jump into this, uh, these lessons that they taught me, I want to talk about that John scripture that I just read for a minute. I love this part of John because this is Jesus' commencement speech to his disciples. Now, as I just said, I love commencement speeches. People who are viewed as somehow having made it in life in one way or another, giving whippersnappers some advice so that they don't make the same mistakes. I love it when people get up and drop knowledge bombs with cool turns of phrases and big words that you have to look up later. But what I found out after I looked up those words and actually found out what they were saying is that uh, these talks weren't really saying anything I didn't already know. No one was really saying anything new about the world. No one was revealing an amazing, magical truth that I had never heard before. It was the final part of a repetition style of learning. It was the last verse sung again. It was the lessons that were so important that you needed to hear them one more time so that they might be able to penetrate your thick skull and actually stay in your brain for a minute. This is what Jesus did with his disciples all the time. I kind of read this verse in John as kind of a sarcastic Jesus saying, Let's try something new. Love each other. Because this is probably not the first time Jesus talked about love to his disciples. It's what Jesus did all the time. It's what my parents have done and continue to do with me. And hopefully it is what I do with my youth in the youth program. So, back to those lessons that my parents taught me. The first one. Leave it better than you found it. My father had this rule with everything. If as a family we ever went anywhere before we left to come back home, he would remind us to leave it better than we found it. This made total sense to me when we were somewhere like my cousin's house and I had been playing throughout the whole house with all of their toys, just throwing them about. Um, it would have been unfair for me to leave all of that cleanup to my cousins. But this rule stretched 
far beyond that. The one instance that baffled me the most was when we were on vacation one summer. I don't remember which summer. I don't remember where we were. All I remember is that right before we left the hotel, my father said, leave it better than you found it. What? A hotel? They literally, literally have people here to clean up my messes. But no matter how much I argued, it was for naught, as we left the hotel room better than we found it. I added the air quotes because I don't think it was actually possible for us to leave it better than we found it, but it was very comparable. As annoying as this lesson could be, and as inconvenient as it felt most of the time, because it was after we were done having a lot of fun and had worn ourselves out that this sentence was uttered, and as much as I disliked hearing this phrase, it taught me some very important things. One, it shows that you appreciate the things that you've been given. My cousins allowed me to play with their toys. If I had left them everywhere and not cared if there were pieces missing or not, how much would it say that I cared for them, the toys, and my cousins? It taught me also, too, that it's not mine. Whatever it is, the hotel room, the toys, this earth, these aren't mine. I can't treat them however I want to because it would be disrespectful. These two points have to be connected for either of them to make sense. You have been given something, and thus it's not yours. You give it back. Or, in some cases, you pass it on. This lesson has a global message. This earth, this planet, this existence is not yours. You have been given life on this world, and you don't get to keep it. It is discourteous and wrong to treat the planet as that you have been allowed to live on, eat from, and overall enjoy as though it was yours. In Genesis 2, it says that God put humankind on earth to farm it and take care of it. This creation is God's creation. God gave you the chance to experience life here, and you need to leave it better than you found it. The second lesson I remember is remember who you are and whose you are. Starting in middle school, when my family finally trusted me to go out on my own in my neighborhood, continuing through high school when I could drive and basically take myself anywhere and everywhere that I wanted to go, and well into college, every time I would leave the house, my mother would say, remember who you are and whose you are. At first, this meant nothing to me. It, I would just brush it off as some weird mom thing. There's mom being weird again later. But later, I actually started to get mad about it. I thought my mother was reminding me that whatever I did reflected back on her. Remember whose you are. Remember that you're an Anderson, and if you go out there doing stupid stuff, we're going to look like a stupid family, so stop being so stupid all the time. <laughs> How dare she insult me in such a way? I'll show her. I'll do stupid stuff. 
I'm not 100% sure that this isn't what she meant. But later in college, I took this phrase to mean something a bit differently. I broke it down and analyzed each part. Remember who you are. This is super important in life. Knowing yourself deeply is something that helps you stay in healthy places. Not healthy like salads and kale chips, but healthy as in you know yourself. Like you know that you need alone time after you come home from work. Or you know yourself so you're not trying to be Timmy down the street. Remember who you are, your strengths, your goals, your growing edges, which is just a fancy way of saying your weaknesses, your hopes, your fears. Remember them. They help make up who you are. And remember whose you are. I think that this does mean to represent a certain people. It's a charge. Remember that while in the world, you do represent your family. Your parents, your grandparents, your sisters, your brothers, your cousins, your nieces, your nephews, your great-aunt Gertrudes. But your charge doesn't end there. You're also representing brothers and sisters in the church. You're representing Christians. You're representing God. Because ultimately, isn't that whose you are? God's? This is a heavy charge. You are a representative of all of those people. And you need to remember and act like it. But that's not all this means to me. This isn't just a charge to act right because we're representing our friends and family and God. Remembering whose you are also has a belonging aspect to it. Because in order to be a representative of a group, you first must belong to that group. You belong to your family as they belong to you. You belong to this church as it belongs to you. And you belong to God. You are a precious and much-loved child of God. And sometimes you need to be reminded of that. So did the Israelites. In the passage from Isaiah that we read earlier, God sent prophets to the Israelites to remind them, I have called you by name and you are mine. You are mine. You too are sons and daughters of God. You belong to the almighty creator of the universe. The hands that knit together the celestial bodies in the skies also made you just as you are. When you remember whose you are, you are remembering that God has claimed you and loves you. It is both a charge and a blessing to remember who you are and whose you are. The third lesson that my parents taught me was a rule that made absolutely no sense to me. It was called the no thank you helping. Essentially, if mom or dad made something for dinner that we didn't like, being my sister and I, we would politely, ever so politely say, no thank you. And then they would say, all right, a no thank you helping it is. <laughs> 
This was incredibly frustrating for me, especially around New Year's Day. Every New Year's Day, my mother would make pork loin and sauerkraut. Now, don't get me wrong, I loved the pork. I still love pork. Pork is great. But I did not, and I do not, like sauerkraut. But every year, I would have to have a no thank you helping of it. Why would my parents do this to me? Was it torture? Were they punishing me for all of the times I didn't listen to them or that I broke something in the house? It was probably partly because of that. But I think that mostly it was for my own benefit. Most of the time it was stuff like broccoli or Brussels sprouts or sauerkraut that they would make me eat because in one way or another apparently they're good for me. They have some vitamins or something. But sometimes it would be something that I had never seen before, like spaghetti squash or a mango or even the first time I saw ribs. If it wasn't for a no thank you helping, I wouldn't have tried those things for fear that they would have been nasty. My parents knew that if left to my own devices, I would have eaten pizza and burgers and ice cream for every meal. Not only would that have been unhealthy, and I probably wouldn't be here right now, but I would have also missed out on so much that the food world has to offer. There are times when we fall into routines, and they seem to be the only thing that we know or want to do. There are times when we want the things that aren't necessarily best for us. There are times when we're afraid to try something because it looks funny. That's when a no thank you helping can really help us out. I am honestly only here at this church doing youth ministry because of a no thank you helping. The first summer after my first year of college, I was going to be working at Fazoli's family restaurant as a cook and hanging out with my friends doing absolutely nothing. But then my sister told me I should try and be a camp counselor. At first, I really didn't want to because, like you heard, I had my summer all planned. I was very busy. <laughs> but after a lot of pestering, I applied, I got accepted, and I became a camp counselor. And I loved it. It totally shifted my life. I fell in love with youth ministry. I changed my major, I changed my school, I changed my major again, I changed my major again. <laughs> I changed my major one more time. <laughs> and then I graduated and went to seminary. And now I'm here, which I wouldn't be if it wasn't for that no thank you helping. This world has so much to offer each of us. And we will only know if it's something that we want if we try it. Having a, have a no thank you helping. Go have a no thank you helping of travel, of a dance class, of making new friends, of being a leader in youth ministry. Seriously, all of you, try a no thank you helping of that one. That's the whole point of this sermon. Come be a, come be a youth leader with me. <clears throat> 
Try hand gliding, try singing, pick up an instrument, try new things, experience all that you can. Throw yourself into something completely unknown and new and see what happens. The best outcome, you love it. It changes your perspective and possibly your life. The worst outcome is that you hate it or you fail miserably, which will happen. But that brings me to my next point. If you fail miserably, you can always come back home. This is something that my parents told me time and again when I had moved out, when I was going to college, when I was in my first apartment, when I went away to seminary. Again and again, my parents would remind me, you can always come back home. Great. Just where a 20-something wants to be, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, I love my parents, and I did take them up on this offer several times. But I didn't want to live under their laws anymore. And I had an inkling that they wouldn't enjoy it too much either. Some smelly, messy, loud at all the wrong hours kid coming home and disturbing their perfect retired groove. I didn't think they really wanted it, but they always offered it. And I know that even to today, the offer stands. If tomorrow I somehow lost my livelihood, or decided to change my whole life and become a painter, I know that my parents are behind me saying, go for it, try it, because you can always come back home. See, to me, it wasn't as much of an offer as it was an assurance. You can always come home, so go for it. Try out being an adult, live in a crappy apartment, Try being a camp counselor for a while. Accidentally spend all of your money on pizza and shoes in your first semester at Michigan State. That's a true story. (laughs) Study abroad. Try being a mechanical engineer, a psychologist, a teacher, a daycare bus driver, also a true story. Because whether you succeed or you fail, you can always come back home. Now, I know all of you have homes outside of this building because I'm here every day and don't see you all every day. But I want you to know that this place and these people, they are also your home. And you can always come back home. Home, the place where your brothers and your sisters are. Home, the place where love permeates our actions and our interactions. This is the call of the church, and this is your home. So go try and fail. Go fall down and scrape your knee. Go become a huge star. And know know that no matter what you do, you have people in your corner cheering for you, and that you can always come back home. Amen. Thanks for listening, and if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.